Hey everybody and welcome to DCI number 29. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I got to talk with Andrew Spearin, who is the co-founder of New World Interactive, which is the studio behind Insurgency, a new FPS multiplayer-only shooter uh, in the vein of Rainbow Six and Counter-Strike, and he had me at Rainbow Six. So so we had a lot of fun talking about the game. It sounds really fantastic. You should definitely check it out on Steam. If you want to find out more information about Darkstation, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, we are the Darkcast. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. And if you want to check out Andrew Spearn or Insurgency, then check out the links in the show notes of this episode. As always, thanks for listening. Now on with the show. Or not, wait, wait, you're, yeah, Andrew, not Anthony. Sorry, I got a little mixed up <laughs> with the Skype. I looked up and saw Anthony. I was like, oh, wait, I said it wrong. But no, we have Andrew Spearin with us on the podcast today. How are you doing? I am not too bad. It's a little cold up in Canada. I can I imagine. bet. Yeah. You were, you were at the, the very heart of the polar vortex. That's, yes, that's we are the polar vortex. Polar that's vortex. it. That is the worst. It, I feel like I'm in, um... What was that awful disaster movie a couple years ago? Uh, day, uh, after day after tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes, that. There. Polar vortex should life. not be a a real name for a storm. That sounds like something out of a movie. So, what's the weather like up there right now? Uh, actually, it's it's getting a little warmer. It's only about minus ten Celsius, so uh, a little windy. But we we got a lot of snow here. Um, Usually we don't get too much snow. I used to live out in Western Canada, and it would be like minus 40 all the time. Well, I mean, not all the time, but often. Uh, but, it, yeah, winter's been brutal this year. Man, that's, that's cold. Um, I live in Georgia, and it's like, you know, 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So I guess not a little bit warmer maybe than uh, where you are. And uh, in Atlanta, we got two inches of snow, and it shut down the whole city. Yeah, I saw that, and I mean, things. yeah, you're obviously not prepared, <laughs> but like to us, it's kind of like, wow, that's just a normal day. Right. Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, I've been at the, the job that I currently have for over two years, and I have not had a, I've not seen snow since I started this job. Um, so we don't get these days very often, so when they come, we're just totally unprepared. It's yeah. sad. Anyway, enough of uh, the weather talk. Uh, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your game. Uh, if you could start off by telling us who you are and what you do at uh, New World Interactive. All right. Well, as you said, I'm Andrew Spearin. Uh, I am, I guess, the designer and community manager uh, of Insurgency. Uh, made by New World Interactive. I also was the co-founder uh, and the former project lead of the Insurgency Modern Infantry Combat mod uh, way back in the day. Uh, so yeah, I basically 
design, a lot of the game rules, the gameplay uh, that you get to play. Um, what else do I do? I handle all the social media aspects. I'm basically the, kind of the, the front man of of the of the game. Um, otherwise, it's led up by our fearless leader, Jeremy Blum, who is uh, famous for starting up the Red Orchestra mod and then co-founding the Insurgency mod with me. So this is, I guess, his third act, my second act on Insurgency. Um, and it's kind of kind of exciting, kind of a decade in the making. So did Jeremy have anything to do with the Red Orchestra, like, actual game, not the mod, but... No, actually, he, he started up the mod, uh, which won, like, the Make Something Unreal contest uh, way mm-hmm. back. And uh, he was looking at doing another project, and at the time, I had started up my own mod for Half-Life 2. Uh, I had called it, like, Operation Counterinsurgency or something really lame. And uh, so I had built up a team, and he kind of said, hey, man, I want to do a project like you, like yours, and I have a team, and you have a team. Why don't we just collaborate? So I was like, I take one look at Red Orchestra. I'm like, yep, that's exactly who we need to be working with. So... Uh, from there, we decided to call it Insurgency and kind of relaunch the mod project uh, together. So that was like in 2004, I think. You know, my brain goes, that's not that long ago. And then I realized that was 10 years ago. Yeah, this is and... the 10th year. <laughs> and we finally, well, I mean, the mod came out in 2007, uh, in July 2007. So it was a long time in the making. Um, but otherwise, uh, we kind of both split off and did our own thing since then uh and since come together once again to collaborate on this project in the last mm-hmm. couple of years very cool very cool so your title is designer and i feel like that's probably the most nebulous title in in the video game creation industry what exactly do you do with the game what, what does a designer do Essentially, you are defining the experience of the game for the player. Um, kind of, uh, I also, uh, on top of working on Insurgency, I work full-time, <laughs> full 9 to 5 job, 40 hours a week as a designer uh, in the news industry in Canada on the innovation team. So uh, 24-7, I'm thinking about user experience design. So the front end, how things look, how people interact. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but the actual game rules itself. So uh, one of the, the things that how Insurgency is kind of standing up from the other games is our game modes and how they're different from other games. Um, and so that is kind of an example of that would be our game mode of Firefight, where you only respawn uh, when your team secures an objective. So that kind of establishing that game rule and recognizing that and creating the configuration of the objectives and that kind of stuff, just thinking that all out, testing it through, recognizing what works, what doesn't work. Um, stuff like the heads-up display, so the no no death messages that we have. I mean, that's a deliberate design decision uh, that will influence the intensity of the game, that kind of stuff. So I'm very mindful of kind of the the big picture of what is this game, uh, and then drill, drilling it right down to the details of how it works, uh, how the systems are designed, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Cool. Uh, so what's your, you mentioned working on the Insurgency mod. Uh, what is your other backgrounds with games? Did Have you worked on other mods? Uh, what did you do in between uh, Insurgency the mod and Insurgency the game? That sort of stuff. 
Well, uh, I guess I first started tweaking with mods on uh, probably my favorite game of all time, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Rogue Yes. <laughs> I'm currently yeah, reading I... uh, Without Remorse, just random fact to it. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Rogue Spear was really like, that's really what kicked off online gaming for me, mm-hmm. a multiplayer game, even though it was on 56K. And uh, you know, okay. I would sneak, still, wake up still. at four in the morning before school uh, and yeah. sneak downstairs and dial up on the free net zero account so my mom couldn't track yes. the online usage. So I'd dial up on this <laughs> really crappy account and log in to play Rogue's Beer for a couple hours and sneak back up to bed before my alarm went off. <laughs> so I'd be taking naps at school and on lunch hour because I was just so tired from gaming all morning. And then, uh, but then I would come home at night or I would be thinking about how I could change the game and I would just start exploring in the game files and, and notice that all the weapons and everything was all scripted and I could change the variables and I could, you know, copy and paste the files and create new files and change them and add weapon images because there was no weapon models uh, in first person. So I, could, I created... Uh, my own Canadian mod version of Rogue Spear, and I had over like a thousand downloads, and I was so excited because I was only okay. 13. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's yep. what's the Canadian mod of Rogue Spear? <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, I I noticed that somebody had created uh, a new character texture with the the Canadian camouflage. So I, was, I emailed them. I was like, Hey, can I use this in my mod? I want to put that together. And he's like, Okay, sure. So I got that, and then I created my own texture. It was horrible. Of just like the winter Arctic, uh, the uniform. And then I found the weapon models of like the Canadian weapons and uh, altered like the, the weapon script. So I created like a weapon set and character skins for, for of Canada's military to, to use in the game. So that was, that was my first venture into modding. <laughs> and so from there, I kind of, uh, kind of figured out, and then I started to make websites as well to promote it. And so I taught myself front-end development and, and user experience design, basically, uh, through like the mod experience. But from it, that was like the very beginnings, and so it probably doesn't count. But then I got involved. Oh, sure, with, counts. Well, that, you were defending the Canadian wilderness. That that absolutely counts. And it's yes, a Tom our Clancy polar vortex. Game, so it absolutely yeah. counts. <laughs> Look what happens. You let your guard down to go focus on insurgency, and suddenly we're all freezing. You know? Yeah. I mean. Very true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, from there, I got really involved with Half-Life um, and the whole mod scene there. I loved playing Day of Defeat, like the, the original Day of Defeat. Um, even, I even remember before it was even out and I would post on their forums and just, you know, get a sense of the community and that kind of stuff. I was never really into Counter-Strike at all, which is kind of surprising because uh, our game keeps being compared to Counter-Strike. But I never really got into it at all. It was Day of Defeat was the next big online thing I started playing in terms of mods. Also, uh, the Firearms mod of Half-Life I was really into. And that's actually kind of where I got pushed in the direction of doing my own thing was I looked at Firearms and I I looked at it as like, hey, if you do change this, this, and this, uh, you know, it would be a bit, much better game. So I like made this big, long proposal and posted on their forums and said like, hey, you should change it in this direction and it would be so much better. And then everyone's like, no, like, go make your own mod. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So I decided to take my idea and just do it myself. And I guess that was the origins of kind of what Insurgency uh, was, because that, a lot of the ideas are kind of in the game now, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, 
that I had, like, it took such a long time. But also around the same time, I joined the Canadian Army uh, when I was 16, because uh, you can do that here, <laughs> and uh, in the reserves. And so I went through, like, two months of basic training and started sketching in my notebook, you know, you know a defensive warfare exercise, sitting in the bottom of a trench, and there's nothing else to do. Uh, and so I just sketch ideas, because I figured games kind of get everything all wrong. <laughs> like, this is, the, this is the experience of a soldier. Man, games don't even come close. So I started to brainstorm and try to figure out like what kind of gameplay would bring out that experience. So you definitely wanted to to, to focus more on the, the the realism with it with insurgency and the uh the the more tactical kind of like soldier aspect to it. Yeah, I think essentially from my point of view, uh what I saw insurgency as was I had some pretty intense moments with Rogue Spear, and then I also played a lot of the original Ghost Recon. And so I recognized that like fear of life from those games, but also, even though when you're in training, I didn't actually go to war, but I did train for the war in Afghanistan. And during that training, we'd use uh, what's called simunition. Uh, it's basically plastic bullets that you shoot at each other. Um, but still, you get an adrenaline rush as you're you know learning close quarter combat and going through it all, and just you get a sense of what the emotions are, what it means to be a soldier, what it means to be in a, in a cohesive unit and work together and tactically. I mean, you don't run off on your own in real life. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so um, I wanted to kind of transplant that knowledge, those skills uh, into a game and be better than the running gunners. So, I mean, that would be like the, the defining factor is knowing and using those kind of realistic tactics and that's what leads to victory so that ultimately i think is what we've finally achieved with insurgency where i mean a lot of our reviews on steam from the users are saying that like we've finally found the game that they didn't realize they were looking for kind of thing and i and i'm fairly certain that is why is because they fear for their life and when they actually treat it like it is life then they're going to be successful in it it, it, every step is meaningful. Every every shot, exactly. you need to take it. You need to hit because the guys next to you are dependent on you. Precisely, like every shot counts, every objective counts, every re reinforcement, every life, all that stuff. It's it's all got meaning to it, and therefore, you you're less. You still have to take risks, but in those risks, it's even more rewarding, and it's more suspenseful and everything. Now, where where did you guys get the idea for VIP? Because that mode sounds ridiculous especially with the fact that it's a it's an actual person that is the guy you're escorting it's not a it's not a it's not an ai or anything like that it's it's a dude that's there that you have to protect i think that's actually been done in a couple other games before because that was an idea actually uh, as a good example of our early access process where we wanted feedback from people uh suggestions for the game and a lot of people were saying put in a vip mode because i think they play like america's army and and counter-strike even had it way back in the day uh, where, um, you know, you've got the one life and you got the one guy with the pistol and you have to get him to the extraction point. I mean, it's, it's so simple and it, it felt right for our game. So we tested it out and it was a lot of fun. So we're like, yeah, hey, we'll we'll use that. But um, in terms of game modes, like we wanted to make sure that we provided something that was original, but at the same time kind of appease um, the, whole, the full spectrum of tactical gaming, I think. I don't know. I'm kind of going on a tangent now about our gameplay, but... Um, Keep going. Kind of <laughs> we kind of look at it as um, on, on one side, you've got people who love that one life mode. That's all they want to play, just the one life. So VIP is for them, right? And then 
as we were testing like Firefight, for example, which I kind of mentioned earlier, where you only respawn on your objective capture, there's still a lot of meaning uh, in, in those objectives because you only have one life, but then you capture it and you get to come back. So often what happens is the last guy alive, the whole team is spectating him, rooting for him, and they know that, hey, if he captures that objective, we're back in it and we could dominate again. So that happens and we call it a hero cap. So the last guy captures, the whole team comes in, makes his giant comeback win and it's thrilling and it's suspenseful and it's entirely original. No other game has done this. So uh, that was kind of like our core, our core rule once we discovered that kind of dynamic um, that we want to apply to our other game modes. So we expanded that into uh, our search and destroy mode, which is another kind of one life game mode, but when a, a weapon cache is destroyed, both teams will respawn back in. So um, kind of with those three modes, the VIP, Firefight, and Search and Destroy, we call those tactical operation type uh, game modes. So we've kind of divided it, our kind of matchmaking system to find those types of servers because those are for those people who like the one life game modes. But of course, from feedback, we learned that people kind of want to respawn. They want to have another chance. They want to get back in the game. Don't, don't want to lose momentum and that kind of stuff. So um, we managed to kind of expand upon those other game modes uh, with more reinforcement waves. So we've got the skirmish game mode, which is kind of like firefight. So there's the three territorial objectives, but we've added uh, weapon caches for each team. Now each team starts with three reinforcement waves. So if you die within the first minute, you will respawn no matter what. Um, so for every objective that gets captured, you gain an additional wave plus an instant wave. So you're kind of like fighting back and forth to gain that reinforcement advantage of the other team until either the enemy destroys your cache or you destroy the enemy's cache, and that will cut off the ability to gain that extra wave. So you are left with the, the remaining waves, and then only capturing the objectives will get you back in the game. So essentially, so any any time you capture, so if if you're going back and forth with somebody over over a capture point each time that you that you grab it, you actually get that wave. Yeah, yeah, you get okay. the extra wave until you've lost your cash. Then you don't get the extra wave. You'll and then still it goes respawn. Away. Gotcha. Yeah, you'll still respawn, but you won't just get that extra one. So once you've run out, both teams and this has happened often is both teams will lose their caches. They'll run out of waves, and it's essentially firefight after that. You're just only respawning on the objective capture. So it's 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 pretty thrilling uh, in a way. I've said that a lot, but I mean it's really it's really refreshing from a lot of the other games where it's kind of a lot of the other games. You know, it's constant respawn and you don't value your life, and it's just like turns into a meat grinder of you know just run around and shoot inconsequentially. So we wanted to really inject something that's kind of I don't know if difficult. People say it's difficult, but it's it's not Sounds insurmountable. Terrible. It is pretty terrifying, but that's why it's so damn good, right? Like, people love a challenge, so why are we trying to... We're not trying to hold their hand through the whole game. We're like, go on, go <laughs> go dive in the deep end and figure it out. Only it's a deep end with bullets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess I, <laughs> I should explain the other game modes while I've been rambling on sure. about them. Go for um, it. So, yeah, besides the tactical operation modes, we've got what we call sustained combat, which includes that skirmish mode I just talked about. Uh, and then we've got the strike mode, which is kind of expanding upon the search and destroy game mode, but we've got extra caches. So there's, in both search and destroy and uh, strike, there are possible cache locations, uh, so you don't know exactly where they're at. 
So in strike, there's five possible locations, but only three are active with caches. So first of all, you have to go search, uh, and then you have to destroy them. And in strike, there's a number of reinforcement waves per team, but when you if you're attacking and you destroy a cache, you gain an extra wave uh, and more time on the clock. And then if you're defending and you lose a cache, you will lose a wave, an additional wave. Uh, so it's kind of, it's really interesting how it works out because yeah. you know the the game, the game flow and narrative kind of is a little scattered at first, but then it really gets focused and it like bo as both teams kind of get narrowed down to the same choke points and fighting over the same areas. So it's it's kind of a lot of fun because, uh, and our final game mode uh, in sustained combat is called push, which was uh, the the favorite of our fans of the, of the mod. We had it in the mod originally. It's just a simple attack and defend. Uh, in a sequential order. So one team has to attack and the other has to defend. And one thing we changed from the mod, though, is added the additional time to the clock. Uh, and we've kind of uh, set the reinforcements to a limited count. So you don't have to spend 15 minutes fighting over the first objective. Just get locked in your spawn and can't go anywhere. It's not a lot of fun. So you only have like five waves to start. But as you go through the rest of the objectives, you gain more. So the attackers are actually gaining more and the defenders are just keep losing so eventually by the end of the game they're pretty much balanced out and it's it's really interesting how how that dynamic plays out but essentially so to bring it all together is uh sustained combat is the more forgiving stuff uh that but still using our same principles that we have established same game rules for the tactical operations which are more for that hardcore tactical shooter get competitive like kind of gamer but uh that was something that we kind of figured out through our early access because we attracted certain player types, but you know they're still like this kind of game, but they still want either the more forgiving or the more competitive. So that was a huge design challenge and something we managed to figure out and kind of pull it all together uh, for our release. Very cool. So is is that all of the the game modes? I I lost count. <laughs> yeah, there's well, no. That there's there's like not. three, three, and then you've got the co-op ones, right? Exactly. Yeah. So okay. we've got those those six modes I just explained. Then we've got co-op, which is uh, our co-op mode right now is checkpoint. We do have another two that will be returning back to the game. We tested them out, but they weren't just they weren't completed yet, so we didn't want to re release it to the whole audience. Um, so right now is checkpoint, where it's basically kind of like push, where you go from objective to objective. And that is actually how we found out about this reinforcing your team from the objectives. Uh, Jeremy had prototyped out checkpoints, and on the I think it was a second objective, you would respawn your team. And I immediately thought, like, hey, wait a minute, do that for every single objective. And then we need to do that in multiplayer, like, and try that out. Because as we were testing, like, early on, those people who are fans who are playing early access uh, will remember we basically only had like domination mode or we had, we had a version of firefight from the mod where it was five objectives um, and like unlimited reinforcements. And it just, it was both game modes in both cases. It was really predictable. You knew exactly where the enemy was going to be and when they were going to be there. Uh, so that, that kind doesn't of work. No, it, doesn't, it doesn't work <laughs> for our kind of game. All. Yeah. And that's how it works in a lot of games though is, uh, is, you know, where they're going to come from and when, so you can just go. Oh, yeah, and especially yeah. if you have just like, you know, you go for a battlefield where it's just you have the two ends of the field and it's everything in between. You, depending upon how good the other side is, you can get easily locked into just one side. Yeah, especially exactly. Since you always you always know where they're coming from. 
Yeah, it's even more uh, difficult in our case because we have much smaller maps. Um, and we have to design every p brush and every model and every corner. Uh, we don't have the vast expanses of Battlefield or anything, which we're kind of limited by the source engine. But, uh, but it, once we found that kind of gameplay mechanic, it broke down the predictability. I mean, you could, you could still kind of go and spawn camp if you want to sit there for a few minutes. But um, most people are going to be impatient anyway, and it's really difficult when you're facing the entire team. So, yeah, once we discovered that uh, through the checkpoint game mode, we were just like, yes, we got to take this and run with it, because that was kind of the, our first playtest on Firefight uh, after we implemented that mechanic, and I was like, yes, this is it. We finally found what Insurgency is going to be. Because, we did it! <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to play a game when it's released and think, like, this is what they had in mind the entire time. And often, I mean, in the creative process, is sometimes you start with a plan, and you implement it, and it doesn't always work. Or you, know, you think of how to change it, or you want to experiment with it or challenge it in all sorts of ways and then come back to it again. So that was basically what Early Access was all about, is inviting our fan base uh, into the game and experiment and help us discover like the direction that we needed. And it was really kind of refreshing uh, that we were able to do that. What made you guys... Eventually I'll get to words here. Okay. Um, why'd you stick with the Source engine? Was it just familiarity, or, or that was kind of what was available to you? Yeah, it was mostly familiarity. Um, okay. I mean, our, our team, we brought together a lot of the original, well, maybe not a lot, but a few of the original uh, developers that Jeremy and I had started out with and who worked on the team to release the mod. Um, and then a lot of them actually immediately after the mod release got hired into AAA studios. Um, so they oh, kind wow. of been... Yeah, I mean, uh, our core team has gone on and worked on some of the, like some great games since then. Um, but some of them were just like, yeah, we want to get back on Insurgency. Uh, it was a good time. And some of them actually still work in the industry as well. Uh, and I, as I said, I, I still work full time on top of this. But uh, so, yeah, the Source Engine was kind of like a natural choice. Uh, we had some assets we could still use and we could look at the the source code that we had from before as inspiration, but we basically wanted to build it up uh, from scratch once again, um, build a new game. Uh, and we didn't, our, our inclination at the start was to kind of move away from the mod and do something entirely different and then like experiment with that and then fall back on what we knew worked from the mod, which is kind of what we did in the end in terms of how we do our like our squad layouts and, and gameplay and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, Source is kind of like, we're familiar with it. We know all the tools. Our level designers are all familiar with Hammer. Um, it's a, it's a, a pretty good community of talent to draw from. If you look at a lot of source-powered games out there right now, uh, or former mods that have turned into games just like us, uh, it's pretty pretty resourceful. And I mean, Valve is great to work with and stuff. So it was just kind of like a natural choice, and especially for Insurgency, like we wanted to basically we wanted to finish what we started. So yeah, we've. We've been thinking about doing, you know, future projects in different engines, but we'll see what happens. So, how many people? I mean, is it how how big is the the group of people that made Insurgency? The uh, both the mod and the full game. 
Oh, the mod. I can't even remember. We had so many people contribute to that over the years. <laughs> I mean, it was like... I mean, did you uh, ever have like a, a kind of a core group of, of people? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, our core group in the game right now is around 12. Okay. Um, and, I mean, a few more have contributed uh, more or less than others. But, I mean, our core group is a dozen people working on this game, which, I mean, a lot of our the criticism... Uh, of our game in reviews is like well it's not really the most visually impressive game or i mean you critique the engine or you could look at our look at us as indie game i mean how many 8-bit side scrolling indie games are criticized for their graphics right like (laughs) um, sometimes that's the draw yeah exactly but i mean but when we're looked at through the same lens as all the the battlefield and call of duty of of the world that's just releasing now. I mean, we're not as visually impressive, but at the same time, our entire team is smaller than probably one single department in any of those studios. So, I mean, the effort oh, sure. that has got into it. it. But that yeah. all changes when you guys roll the source too, right? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we, we don't know much about that, but we're definitely got our eye on it. Yeah, no problem. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like, I the the first thing I saw um, when I kind of looked up the page when I heard we were going to talk um, was that that was the first thing I did notice, and it was like, okay, so the guys are using the Source Engine. It does look, it it looks like the Source Engine. There's there's not much you can do yeah. about it. It is kind of, that kind of what it is, and it it the first impression was kind of like, okay. Uh, it's a modern military shooter, rock on. But then once I got to those user comments that were on the bottom, I was like, hold on a second. This looks like there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot more to this. And I think that, uh, that, that those, that those comments, and I wish there was a way that you guys could kind of get those bumped up to the top because those do so much more uh, for kind of describing what insurgency is than if people just go in there and look at the pictures. Oh, I know. That's the biggest challenge that we have. And I mean, I do all the marketing. Uh, well, I mean, we collaborate with uh, Reverb Communications for PR. Um, but in terms of like trying to figure out our messaging and doing our trailers and that kind of stuff, it usually rests on me. And and I mean, <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, especially when we're in early access and you know, pressure's on to do a trailer for a, a beta release. And it's like, we didn't even have our particle effects in at the time. And it just looks like any other shooter. Um, but there's this feeling to the game that you just, you don't even think about the graphics. You're fearing for your life. And it's just, it's it's kind of indescribable, except I think a lot of our Steam reviews have really summed it up nicely. Um, uh, I But I mean, coming from them, it's valid. But like, how do I say that as a developer? Exactly. Yeah, you can't be... just do a whole trailer of like, you know, uh, XX Steve 420 decided to say that uh, insurgency is awesome. It's tactical shooter. This is great. There's my trailer. It's yeah. it's all it is. Yeah. Or I can't even say that. Like, hey, it's great. You gotta play it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, obviously you're gonna Developer say that. Developer says game is great. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a huge challenge um, to kind of overcome that connotation and that that I don't know prejudice is the word uh you know this prejudging that oh it's just another shooter because i mean even some of the uh i don't know one of, I, I don't may, shouldn't say name names but one of the mainstream websites is like hey look another shooter as their lead 
like announcing thanks. our release date. I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot. But a lot of our fans jumped in their comments with like, hey, what the hell? Like, this isn't just another shooter. What are you talking about? And that's the same with on YouTube. Like, those comments come up all the time or they look at, oh, what a shitty trailer. What the hell is this piece of crap? And it's just like, you don't get it and you probably won't get it because you're probably just going off the surface. But if you really cared, you would look into it and you discover that, hey, this is a hidden gem. I mean, that's those are the words of our fans. Like, this is one of the best shooters that they've ever played, and they didn't even realize. I think Total Biscuit the other day just said, he's like, suddenly I, I realized this is... <laughs> yeah. I watched that. I forget that the line. I, yeah. I'm going to bastardize his words, but like suddenly I realized like, this is the shooter I always wanted. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard I, to... I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I actually caught the beginning of his, his WTF of it, and uh, the, one of the first things he said, he goes, this might look like it's bad, but wait it's not <laughs> yeah yeah and a couple of reviews have been good at that i mean a lot of uh, good credit to a lot of you know reviewers out there for looking at the game for what it is and not kind of trying to match their expectations of what it sh of what they want it to be um because when you yeah when you're looking through that lens of hey this is this is actually different once you shake that notion that oh this looks the same you just suddenly are like, whoa, this feels different. And this feels how it probably should be. And why couldn't these AAA people do it? That was another one of our fans made a, a rant. He's like, I am so pissed off at this game because it made me like it more than the other games I just paid $60 for. <laughs> and <laughs> like people are just raving over what we could do in this kind of a game that others couldn't even get. Yeah, one, well, I think you guys have kind of come out at the right time, too, because, I mean, right now you just had, I, I, I can't speak to sales, but, you know, you've had probably the the least well-received Call of Duty since World, you know, since uh, Modern Warfare, and yeah. Lord only knows what the hell's going on with Battlefield 4. Yeah, I mean, we're coming up, to, <laughs> coming out on the heels of, of those, and I mean, there's nothing we could have done to make them reach that point, but it's all there. Yeah. <laughs> It's all a it's plan. All... It was the insurgency. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of like I mentioned before, I work for a newspaper company. So I'm uh, on, on the innovation team. So I'm always looking at this disruptive innovation. How do new ideas work? Where do they come from? And so what I like to say is by day, I'm working for the disrupted. And at night, I am the disruptor. Because usually innovation, disruptive innovation, the revolutionaries of the world are... They appear cheaper, uh, or they are cheaper, they appear weaker, but they grow and they get stronger. And then they meet the needs of that mass that the, that the legacy companies had been providing. So at some point they cross over and usually they start to unravel at the same time. The, the big companies start to unravel as the little guys are rising. And that is exactly where the games industry is right now. I mean, look mm -hmm. at all the, the, uh, you know, the rental the rental shops are closing down and like used game sales are going up because people are just downloading stuff now. And, and the rise of indies, we wouldn't have been able to make this game a few years back. I mean, we did the mod, which was a miracle because <laughs> I was in high school at the time. The same with Jeremy. Jeremy's two years younger than me. I think Jeremy's only 25 right now. And he's got like three major game projects under his belt. And I'm only 28. So, uh, I mean, we're not even 30 yet. And we're 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 only getting started here, and we're gonna disrupt because we can see everything is unraveling. Um, but it's great that we actually recognize it, and that the response from the people is that it's working. So, I mean, going back to talking about how hard it is to market, but the best, most effective 
marketing tool is word of mouth and we've got the social networks now we relied we we're so happy to see total biscuits video because we we're waiting like what is total biscuit gonna say but like who was that guy like <laughs> three years ago right listen, like now listen to those words what is yeah. total biscuit going to say <laughs> exactly right and also i got excited about pc gamer because i still have the pc gamer issue from 2005 uh, when they did a preview on the mod and I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see what PC gamers has. Like I read them my whole life, but I mean, their magazine now is a fraction of what it used to be. Um, but also like a look to other websites and blogs, they have so much more weight and they're sophisticated because you look at some of the other mainstream sites and they're just like, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what they wanted you to say. So you said it <laughs> otherwise, but like total biscuit is so honest and a lot of blogs are honest and just objective and it's great. Yeah, one of my favorite things about the uh, Steam reviews is you can see how long somebody has played, and the number one yeah. review you have is for a guy that's played Insurgency for almost 400 hours. I'm going to trust oh, yeah. that review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and me as a developer, I played almost 800 hours. So, like, <laughs> I like to say people are shocked when I'm in-game because we have, like, a we have a little developer tag uh, mm -hmm. in front of our name in the chat, and people are like, what, a developer? Why are you playing? And I'm like, dude. Dude, it's my game. This, this game. is what I do. <laughs> yeah. We make this game to play it. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, man, I, I just want to play this game. That's why I made it. Like, why are you surprised? But, I mean, they, they hop into other shooters or other games, and they don't see developers. So they're just kind of shocked and taken aback. I mean, with the the way that the AAA industry is, I mean, you so quickly have to move on from making the game to making new content for the game to making your next game, I imagine. I mean, most of the um, bigger developers that we talk to don't really have time to play games, which is sad. Yeah, it is sad. And I mean, one of the, I guess, uh, one of the advantages we have is that we're, we are small and we're nimble, we're lean, um, and we, we know our game better than anybody else. Uh, like, we, we're not siloed in terms of the marketing isn't entirely separate from the design, which is entirely separate from the development. There's no waterfall method. It's all just really flat. We're just a team. We get together, shoot ideas at each other, like, yeah, that'll work or that won't work, and debate it and just figure it all out together instead of, you know, sitting, locking all the designers and writers in a room for six months and have them come up with something that will be impossible to develop or program. So it's just like a really organic process that I think indies have a huge advantage over these AAA companies uh, because, you know, it's really hard to to kind of do something new, especially uh, because you've got a formula that's worked and the, the more you stray from the formula, the less sales you're going to get. I mean, that's a theory anyway, but we were just like threw that notion out the door and we're, we, a lot of our feedback and a lot of, even some ideas internally are like, well, hey, Counter-Strike does it this way, so we should start with that. And it's like, well... Okay, it works for Counter-Strike. They've been around for a while, but like, we should be looking at what they're doing is what we shouldn't be doing. Like, let's find something different. We can draw from lessons and 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 whatnot from that, but like, find our own way to do things. Because if you start if you start chasing Counter-Strike, that's honestly, it's like you know the MMO dealers always chasing WoW. Uh, at some yeah. point, you just Counter-Strike's been around. It's been it's been Counter-Strike for as long as Counter-Strike has been Counter-Strike. So it's yeah. definitely, you know, it's it's refreshing to hear that you guys decided to go in your own direction rather than, you know, 
so many people just try to crib ideas off of other things. Yeah, and if we did that, like if we were trying to be like Call of Duty, then like all those assumptions would be true <laughs> that like, hey, you're just another shooter. Well, if we were doing that, then we would be, but we're not. So, um, and it might, I mean, my understanding, my theory, which is just comes from my own notion is uh, people want to play new games because they want a new experience. Um, sure, they they might request a lot of the stuff from the old games or whatever. Like a lot of our feedback was rehashing ideas from other things. So like, oh, yeah, it works in America's Army, so do it in your game. It'll work in your game. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to play Insurgency, you're going to play it because it's Insurgency. You're not going to play it because it's Battlefield with better weapons. Um, I don't know. It's a weird psychological thing that I think is we're really, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but we're smart at knowing that we need to be ourselves and we need to maintain that vision and make sure that we like adhere to that and not stray away from it just because somebody else does it or perceptively better or bigger because also we're going to grow. It's not, we're not going to stay small forever. Like, our our sales our best sales day was yesterday it wasn't our launch day usually the games you know they come out with a mass marketing campaign and their first day is like their top day and they sell the most on that day and they get the most players but ours has grown like every single day since so the, i mean the word is spreading we're going to keep adding on to the game we're going to keep growing it and shaping it according to how the world is changing how the games world is changing oh man i could ramble on forever about that but <laughs> Very cool. Now, what were what were some of the uh, difficulties in bringing a game that's a, a mod for a pre-existing game to making it its own standalone thing? Well, I think the biggest challenge is, well, kind of like what I was saying before, looking to other games is also looking to the mod. Uh, we didn't want to transplant the mod into a new engine like carbon copy we didn't we deliberately focused on brand new content brand new gameplay brand new weapons even some of the same weapons but i mean that's kind of just like the standard weapons anyway but uh a lot of people are like put in the old maps put in the old systems like just make the game better make the mod into a better engine but we you know we had to be disciplined at wanting to do something new so uh i think that's probably the biggest challenge because a lot of you know dedicated mod fans are like, they think we killed the mod or something, and I'm like, no, we're just we've actually revived what insurgency is and what it's supposed to be. Do you ever just want to shake them and be like, just play the damn game, stop <laughs> telling me what we've killed and just play what we made? <laughs> I don't know, I they're pretty good, but I I I don't know. Everyone has their own idea of what something should be, and you know they're very vocal about it, and you respect that. And but at the end of the day, ultimately, it's our decision, it's our vision, it's our game. So we're going to make it the way that we want to make it. And, and people will get upset if we didn't create that vision that they had. So uh, it's it's tough because they're really loyal. And but you know at the same time, we need to say, look at this for what it is, and don't look at this for what you want it to be. So if somebody wanted to get a taste of Insurgency, would can, is the mod still available to play? Yeah, the mod is still uh, available on Steam. It's free, so people can check it out. And it's 
it's been compared. I mean, people have said, yep, yeah, try out the mod if you want, and it is a comparable experience. Uh, there are differences, obviously, but sure. I mean, the core the core elements in the core gameplay is right there, uh, and it's been there since 2007. All right. Uh, now, obviously, the, the game is, uh, maybe not obviously, depending on who's listening, but it's 15 bucks. Um, did you think about going uh, free-to-play routes, or did you kind of struggle with what to, to charge for a, a multiplayer game? What kind of led you to, to 15 bucks, besides the fact that a lot of games are released at 15 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> well, we figured that, you know, we did look at all the different options, and from our own experience, like, a lot of the free-to-play games just kind of feel like a cash grab, mm-hmm. um, and also have a system where it's like, the more you play, the more, like, perks or weapons or unlocks that you get, and we really just didn't like that, and a lot of our fans didn't want that either. So we knew, we were mindful right from the start that, like, you pay for the game and you get the game. Like, you don't have to go jump through any hoops. You don't have to play for 500 hours before you get a grenade launcher, or you don't have to get kill streaks or whatever. Like, it's it's all available to everybody at all times. Uh, so that was part of it. And also we wanted to, we wanted to make it just easy for the customer to pay for the game. You get all the updates. I mean, we're just going to keep updating it. And you, you all have the same game, so you all need to be playing the same game. Um, so we don't see it as... I mean, hopefully it'll be a good business model in the long run. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we just want to be want it to make sense for the players, and and to us that made the most sense. And uh, we did start at the price at twenty dollars uh, for early access. We thought that was like probably the price point we we're going to go with. But as we kept going along and looked at other games uh, comparatively, and figured that fifteen dollars is probably going to make the game seem that much better. Hmm. Uh, at that price point so we went with that and i mean the response has been exactly that like a lot of people in our steam reviews have been saying like wow i would have paid 60 dollars for this or i would have paid double like i feel like i'm ripping off the developers because it's so cheap um so i think we've kind of we want to make it easy so they don't even think have, have to think twice about buying it mm-hmm. i guess that's a good sign when your fans feel like they're ripping you off by only paying 15 bucks <laughs> yeah what made you guys decide to go early access? Uh, it, you know, it's obviously that's kind of like the it's big, definitely becoming kind of the new big thing on uh, on Steam. Why'd you why'd you go that way instead of maybe did you try anything else before that? Yeah, uh, we we did do a Kickstarter campaign. However, uh, we didn't succeed in that. Uh, I think we had about sixty six thousand pledged. I can't even remember what we asked for around two hundred thousand or something. Um, so, but that didn't succeed. We had a little bit of, you know, private investment money to get us started. Uh, I mean, Jeremy started up the company. He's taken that huge risk and was able to get investors. And I mean, so much credit to that guy because this game would not exist without him. Um, and as I said, he's a he's young, up and coming developer in this industry. Uh, so he's definitely something to watch for. Um, and I think. There's this phrase like you want to bet on the jockey and not the horse. And I think so. Jeremy is like the solid kind of game developer. So he was able to kind of people have faith in him that he's going to pull it off. Um, So we were able to, you know, have a game actually for the Kickstarter. We had an alpha, but it needed more work. So we figured 
how else are we going to get more money? <laughs> so we, we had built up attention. And, it works. Like, <laughs> yeah, so we figured, well, what if we... Because we actually started Early Access before it was even a thing on Steam. I mean, we launched our Early Access in March of last year. And it didn't get till Steam until April. And like it hadn't even been announced until even after we started. So we had no idea that this was about to be something. Uh, we just we even called it early access and we're just saying like, Hey, you can pay for, pay for the access to the alpha and you're going to fund development. You're going to have the feedback, uh, you know, directly with the developers, you get to help shape this game. And that's essentially how it went. So, um, it's really, it's early access is a really interesting concept. Uh, you can look at the, the really notable examples now are like Daisy and rust where they I think they're kind of an exception, though, to the potential of early access. Uh, Daisy, for instance, you know, they're working out of Bohemia, and the, who also did Arma 3, I think, was on early access as well for their beta. But, uh, I mean, they already had the capital. They already had the game, like, invested. So it's not like they really needed the funds right away. Uh, it's more like a pre-order <laughs> thing. Um, maybe to pay back their invet their development costs to date, and then also have more money to continue development. Mm -hmm. But uh, for us, uh, for a team that basically started literally from nothing, and then got investment to man to get us to that Kickstarter point, and then we had to figure out what we're doing next, and got a little bit of money. I mean, it w wasn't a whole lot from the first early access, but we managed to work with what we had up to our beta. Uh, which was in was it August, I want to say, or July or August of last year. I flew down to L.A., uh, where Jeremy was at at the time. He's still there for now. But uh, before that, he had like a studio in Denver. Um, I mean, we're still based out of Denver, but we've had to kind of like disperse to cut down costs. So we're all working remotely on this project currently. But um, yeah, I mean, then we actually got to get a 24-hour Steam sale which was great, and that was the, the the milestone of our beta being released in August, I believe it was, and that gave us the next boost of, of money to fund up until, I think, yeah, about December, we're, again, like, oh, we kind of need some more money, and we're very fortunate to get uh, get a flash sale on the, the Steam holiday sale, so it was 75% off, but, so five bucks people could get the, the game for, and that was able to fund our final push to the finish line of our launch day on January 22nd and also, you know, be able to fund our advertising and marketing strategy um, for that. And, and so, yeah, I mean, every step of the way has just been, it's, I, don't, I guess you could say it's a struggle, but I mean, we've, we made it. It's kind of, I kind of like to look at it as the way our game modes are designed, the way our gameplay is designed, where you've got these finite amount of reinforcements so every objective counts and it keeps your team in the game that much longer. So like in Firefight, you know, we're going all out, taking the risk. Yes, we got the objective. We're back in it. And so keep fighting. Yes, we got the next one. We're back in it. And and uh, it's just been uh, it's been a thrilling process, really, to see how this whole thing is materialized. Um, I don't know. Now I'm kind of reminiscing and it's blowing my mind. But yeah, it's, <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's kind of scary looking back. <laughs> All the, the well, close calls. 
Yeah, I mean, all the close calls and, and even just thinking back to sitting in a trench 12 years ago, having these ideas and now finally people are recognizing them because we were able to pull it off, right? Uh, and we're not even finished yet. Like we call this, this is our launch. I mean, it's like a full release, but it's kind of like a feature complete introduction of like, okay, this is what insurgency is. We have spent our time experimenting uh, and now we've settled on what this game is about. And here it is. Now we're going to build on top of it. So I mean, our launch on the 22nd is just kind of like the the starting point of of what's to come next. Awesome. That sounds exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> it is kind of. <laughs> Do you have any um, preliminary, uh, I guess, plans or hopes or dreams of what you want to bring to the game? Not, you know, anything official or anything like that, but any... Um, inklings that you would like to steer it in, maybe? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I guess I was kind of alluding it to it earlier. Uh, but also, uh, in, in terms of the immediate future, we mm -hmm. are definitely listening to our, our feedback. I mean, people want more weapons and more maps, and we are working on that. We're going to get that out in the near term. Uh, we're going to keep updating it and like, prove to our fans, like, this is, we're committed to this, and as we always have been. But uh, people aren't used to that, surprisingly. A lot of the AAA games come out and they're just like okay a few months later give us more money and we'll give you some stuff but <laughs> we're just going to be like here's more stuff a couple of weeks later here's more stuff a couple of months later here's more stuff but uh, in terms of the long-term vision of where our game's going to go and where i see games going in general is the rise particularly of twitch uh twitch is you know just exploded in popularity recently uh and the rise of kind of professional esports competitive gaming that kind of stuff. Um, Twitch is really at the central of our marketing strategy for the launch. Uh, we we spent the bulk of our advertising on Twitch because we realized that this is a platform that people will play your game and they'll broadcast your game and other people will watch. And then if they don't have a game, they'll probably go buy it because they've been watching and interacting with this commentator or something. And so that has actually proven to be very successful. Um, as of like the first weekend of our launch, we had like half a dozen or more, six or seven uh, streamers with, you know, between three and five to seven to 10,000 viewers uh, watching Insurgency. So that is something that didn't, could barely exist a year or two ago. Uh, and it's huge. And you look at kind of the, you look at the uh, rise of like League of Legends or Dota 2 and, and Counter-Strike has always been big pro gaming scene or Call of Duty. And... But these games have been kind of, they've been made in their own sense to be played, but they haven't necessarily been made to be watched uh, by others. I mean, people just naturally are going to flock to it, but I really feel like Insurgency is different from, from those games because it's a lot more suspenseful. It's a lot, very competitive. Uh, visually, it's, it's, I mean, it's not the most impressive engine, but that textures aside you've got smoke and dust kicking up everywhere and there's no death messages you don't know if that guy got killed or not and the sounds are incredible and it's just this really highly immersive visceral experience and it's fun to watch and uh again i say suspenseful a lot because it keeps you on the edge of your seat as you're as you're watching it uh, what's going to happen next what's going to happen next you don't know and what just happens you got, you're just glued to it and so if we can you know, grow a competitive scene uh, 
and you know a, a constant presence on Twitch. I think we could be one of the first games that is kind of designed and built for this kind of generation that is just emerging right now. So I hope we're ahead of the curve on that, and that's something that I'm very particularly looking at. And again, as a, like a designer and community guy and that kind of stuff and big picture stuff, is I recognize this is where the direction we need to go, and uh, that's kind of where we're where we're headed. Awesome. That is. That's, that's great. How do you like? Obviously, with the, with the with the way other uh, like kind of other games work with the whole esports thing, um, like at, at, how do you take that first step? Like, is it is it up to the 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 players themselves to push it in that direction? Is there something that you do, uh, kind of from like a marketing standpoint? That's like, hey, we want to open this up this way. Or is it just a, like a like more of a natural thing, and that's that's the way that the game's going to go? Uh, I think it's going to take a lot of effort. Um, uh, you can look at a lot of the old games, and they grow their own leagues and stuff. But I mean, from my perspective, every single player is a win. Like we win over every single player. Like, um, so I really recognize that we need to nurture and grow our community ourselves. It's not just going to happen. I mean, it might, a lot of people will do it, but we need to pay attention to it, and we need, we need to make it happen. Otherwise, it might not happen. I mean, but as long as we put in the effort to do it, then then we can be able to kind of get that going. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it seems like a, like a very difficult thing, and a lot of people kind of hear esports now and they they kind of question it but this this definitely feeds back into kind of the that old that kind of old school idea of what it was and 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 what it is and that the the competition and meaning something uh rather than just kind of being like big spectacle yeah and i think that's going to be very important for our game uh is to have that that meaning that context to the game the competitive context so i think that's why counter-strike is still as big as it is today even like counter-strike 1.6 like the original or not the original but like you know the mod version of it Mm -hmm. uh is still huge because there's that competitive scene and there's that context like they want to be the best at it so they're just going to keep playing it forever (laughs) because they can always improve at it even though they're playing the same maps for a decade or more um so i mean in order to have that kind of longevity uh, in terms of our game, I really recognize that people need that context. And our game is one of the most challenging shooters out there. So if, if first-person shooters are, are already a big component of the competitive scene, imagine how attractive being the best at the hardest would be to other, either other teams that are playing other games or uh, to professional teams that want to get started from scratch with our game. So... I don't know. I think it's it's a huge risk, but I because it's it's not there yet. But that's the thing. Like, I think we're a very forward-thinking team. Uh, I I've been able to see things before they've happened and kind of predict them and, and envision them. And um, I mean, the mod came out in 2007, which it was started in 2002. And a lot of people compare us to games now that have been released since then. They're like, oh, well, this game is like Call of Duty and Red Orchestra 2. And it's like, well, yeah, we were <laughs> we were out before Call of Duty Modern Warfare was out. Like, in the same PC Gamer 2005 issue with our preview is a review for Call of Duty 2. So, I mean, like, we haven't been influenced by those games in 
the way that people are expecting. Like we've actually foresaw how the popularity of the kind of the modern shooter would would happen. And the mod actually had a million downloads like in its first week or something. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't kind of a coincidence. It, it, it took a lot of foresight. So now we're kind of using that approach and kind of confident that we we've been able to have the foresight before and have the vision and this is the way we see things going now. And that is what we should be pursuing and we can influence it and not get, you know, overshadowed by the bigger players in, in the industry because we're not high school kids anymore. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're making money on this one, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even about that, right? No, well, I know, I... but I mean, you know. That's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I mean, to it's... keep making it, there has to be something in the coffers. Oh, exactly. I mean, I have to pay rent now and buy my own food. So uh, it it costs money to license the engine. It costs money to pay people to make content. So it's just the the necessity of a capitalist society that uh, mm-hmm. you need to spend money to make money and uh, you need to make money to spend more money. So uh, people are getting a game in exchange and we're having a good time because we love making the game. I think that's that's the key. If you're having a good time with what you're doing, and it, it definitely shows in the way that the, the players talk about the game that they're having a good time playing it. And that's it. In the end, you can't ask for anything more. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, I think we are done with the, uh, the main part of this now. I and think so. uh, we're going to feed into, yeah, I think we're going to feed into our, our little end game questionnaire. Um, uh, we, we fashioned it after the, uh, the James Lipton uh, inside the actor studio questionnaire. Uh, not as long, but, you know, we still like to think we hit kind of the good points. Uh, first question. Right yeah. Uh, first question. Who's your favorite video game protagonist? Who's your favorite hmm. good guy? I would say this is going to be really obscure because uh, I've given right. enough obscure references. Excellent. But thinking back to my favorite, you know, first game of Rainbow Six Rogue Spear, I would always play as the character... Uh, Actually, I had to Google it. Uh, his name, I think, was Roger McAllen or something. He was the Canadian dude in in the Rainbow Six team. So I'd always be like, oh, yeah, I want to be the Canadian guy because I'm Canadian. So that would be my favorite protagonist. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's that Otherwise, that's, that, no, no, that's no, no, the no best answer man. ever. That's, okay. that's, that's honest that wins. to the heart. That's exactly what we need. <laughs> and and uh, not just question. because of my love for that game. That has nothing to do with me declaring you the winner, but... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh flipping the coin, who's your favorite antagonist? Hmm, antagonist. I'm trying to think. Uh uh Well, I really hated the head crabs in Half-Life. <laughs> uh, they they're really antagonizing. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, yeah, yeah, they made me almost myself <laughs> head crab no uh, yeah that, that that's fantastic you know that's the first time i think somebody's ever picked a minion mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's so many of them oh yeah oh exactly <laughs> they're like freaking critters they're everywhere yeah uh next question um what what's your least favorite kind of uh way the video game industry is going what's your least favorite kind of trope as as it is zombies Mm. not a fan of zombies (laughs) not really uh i mean people look at our game as like oh that's just another shooter i say the same thing about every zombie game ever 
pretty much. Except for I will play Daisy. I haven't yet, but to me, Daisy is more about the survival aspect than the zombies are kind of like the MacGuffin. They're just there to keep you busy or something. And then I really want to play the last. Was it The Last of Us? That yeah. looks pretty. Yes, but again, that was fantastic. Yeah, but again, that's not even about the zombies per se. It's about the relationships, and it's about the story, yeah. and it's about that kind of thing. The zombies. It are absolutely the is. And those, and the, the the kind of zombies that are there, uh, they 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 play into it, but they don't play into it. It's really about Joel and Ellie, and it's fantastic. Yeah. That was my game of the year last year. So. Yeah, and I haven't played it because I don't have any consoles. So, <laughs> but I will as soon as I get a PS4 or is it even on there? I don't know. PS3. But, uh, PS3. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should get a PS3 so I can get. Is Grand Theft Auto Five on that one too? Yep. Yeah, it is. That's my brother keeps telling me to get it. Okay, maybe I'll get a PS3 one of these days. <laughs> well, I just got one finally after eight year, nine years, however long it's been. <laughs> it's been a while, but I'm a huge shooter fan, obviously. So I just can't stand using a controller for those games. Sure. Anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm sure there, no there's, <laughs> there's probably an adapter where you could use a mouse and keyboard. I know there's one where you can use a 360 controller. So there's yeah. there's a way. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite weapon map combination in Insurgency? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I really like. I want to say District is my favorite map, and I like using the M16 with armor-piercing rounds and on semi-automatic, because uh, in the infantry you're taught to fire a double tap, uh, so just two shots immediately. And, I mean, with that weapon and going through the close quarters of district or on the streets and you shoot a double tap at the enemy and they drop, it's just like, yes, that's what's supposed to happen in the game. I don't have to pump him a full <laughs> magazine, fully automatic, to drop that target. Just double tap and he's down. And it's just so satisfying. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> um, if you had the chance to try anything else, uh, what other profession would you like to attempt? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I didn't even mention my background. So in between the, the years of doing insurgency, the mod and insurgency now, and well, I'm working in journalism, obviously, but, uh, I'm a photojournalist by trade and, uh, my aspirations, obviously, uh, given my background in the military as well, was to be a war photographer. Um, closest I got was, uh, going to the Balkans and Kosovo in 2007 Actually, like the same month that the mod released, I was traveling Europe and uh, went to Kosovo and documented, you know, uh, actually an opposition leader there, did an interview with him and portraits. And it was before they declared independence. There's still NATO mission going on, but not like a whole lot of conflict. But anyway, that was kind of like I'm still highly fascinated by that sense of uh, documenting what is happening in the world and bringing that forth to people. So um actually kind of foresee the intersection of games and journalism in the not too distant future so maybe that will become something for me <laughs> i kind of already did it so maybe i'm cheating on your answer but that's okay uh, that's uh that would be my alternate life <laughs> nice the war journalist yeah it's a dying breed oh it certainly is it certainly is especially with the advent of just uh just uh, like Twitter and everything and, and everything appearing and getting out so fast. Um, the, the person who embeds themselves and, and puts themselves in danger to get 
to get that close to things is almost it's almost not needed but people tend to forget just how important that particular vision of things can be yeah just the sacrifice they put themselves through the suffering they have to witness and just a fraction of it is what you see but in a way it's kind of a good thing that with twitter and and uh, you know the rise of the, the internet and all of that is greater accessibility from people in those in those areas i mean look at libya <laughs> the, the assassination of of, of Gaddafi is captured on a cell phone video and by the rebels, right? Like you, you don't have to have a war correspondent from America on the ground right there when it's happening. I mean, you, you'll still be documented. You'll still be have a chance to witness that or everything that's happening in Egypt. And it's 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 incredible. But I mean, as a profession, uh, it's really difficult to kind of sustain yourself when you know uh, you know Newsweek goes goes. Uh, goes under and they can't afford to send anybody anywhere or time can't afford correspondence and that kind of stuff. So those glory days are over, but at the same time, there's a new glory day. It's the, the rise of, of social media and the indies of, of, uh, of where these things are happening. Absolutely. Uh, final question. Um, at the end of our lives, when we all come to the gates of the mushroom kingdom and Toad is there with the book of our deeds, uh, what do you want him to say to you? Uh, the princess is that way. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. That's Congratulations. You, you passed. passed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, just want to say thank you very much, Andrew, for sitting down and chatting with us today about Insurgency. If you could send us out by telling listeners where they can go to find out more information about Insurgency. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's been fun to talk, and I hope I didn't steal too much glory away from Jeremy because he is he's the main man on this project, and I'm always afraid of talking about myself and my own experience and and forget about talking about him. But he is pretty pretty awesome, and I've been working with him for a long time, and he's got a a huge future in this in this craft. So anyway, just a shout out for him. Um, but yeah, to find out more about Insurgency, you can go to uh, playinsurgency.com is our website. Uh, also on Steam, find us on Steam. That's where you can buy the game is through the Steam store. And that's where we have a community hub there. So you can read the reviews, you can join the discussions, uh, sifting through all the questions of like, is this different from Call of Duty? And you can find out why it is different. And we've got gameplay videos on our website and everything. So yeah, hit us up there and also Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I've got to start posting on Reddit. There's been a Reddit sub subreddit crop up, but I never use it. So maybe try Reddit at some point. All right. Well, thanks again, and have a good night. All right. Thank you. Thank you.